in our culture we're told a bit like uh, in that film, film clip that if it feels good, do it. Uh, but this recipe is leading to untold misery in our culture and the breakdown of society. Because doing something just because it feels good doesn't mean that it's necessarily the best thing or the right thing to do and can actually be very harmful. And, you know, we know the examples, don't we? Taking drugs, people do that because it feels good at the time, but it's, it destroys us. Getting drunk may feel good, but long term it destroys us and it harms those around us. And we've had members of our church who have died because of the alcohol abuse. Uh, most crime in the UK is now drink and drug related. To have an affair may feel like uh, feel good at the time, but it destroys relationships, and it also destroys our relationship with God. Now, all these things can be forgiven, they can be restored, but it would be better not to make that terrible mess in the first place. Getting into debt and having more stuff, you know, it feels good, doesn't it? It's fun at the time, but it takes a long time to pay off. And so the good feelings will have disappeared long before the price has been paid. So I'm not trying to be a killjoy here. You may think I've succeeded quite successfully because what may feel good is less good than what is best. And why settle for second best? Why settle for things that are harmful for us? The Bible gives us a very different picture. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Dear friends, you are foreigners and strangers on this earth, so I beg you to surrender to the... Not to surrender, whoops, not to surrender to those desires that fight against you. They're fighting against you, so why do we give way to them? They're trying to harm us. We're aware that there is a spiritual battle going on for the hearts and lives of people. Satan is seeking to draw people away from God, to entice them with all sorts of feel-good things. And God wants to lead us on a different pathway, to give us life and freedom, to give us something that is so much better than the second-rate stuff that is on offer, and also to bring us into a relationship with him. And that's why I keep coming back to John chapter 10, verse 10. A thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. So those broken things we put to one side. God's pathway will mean saying no to the quick fix, but long term we have peace, we have his love, we have joy, a much deeper level and longer lasting satisfaction than anything else can give. This battle affects us every day. Simple choices that we make. Last time I spoke, we looked at the reality of the battle. We looked at some of the basic issues that are there. Ellie took it on a stage further, talking about the mind last week. Did an excellent job. And today we're going to look at the hand-to-hand combat that we face, temptation. And the first thing is that we need to understand temptation. So if you're taking notes, that's the first heading. Understand temptation. Every day we have choices to make. To follow God or to follow a different pathway. To do what is right or to do what is wrong. And it happened for Jesus just as much as it happens for us. Just before Jesus began touring around Israel and teaching and healing the sick, he went off to the desert to spend some time uh, alone with God the Father. 
He knew that he had an important three years coming up which would result with him dying, uh, dying on a cross, being rejected by everyone, going through hell for us and then rising from the dead. So he needed to make sure that he got it right, right from the start. So he took himself away for a short period of time in order to really hear from God and engage with God. And one of the spiritual tools that Jesus used in that process of drawing close to God and hearing God is fasting. Because in fasting we humble ourselves before God. It takes away some of the props that are there that uh, hide the way we uh, might you know, stop us being aware of uh, some of our issues. It's a great way of humbling ourselves before God and deepening our relationship with him. But you may have noticed it does have its downside because you end up feeling hungry at the end of it. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, we're told. Now, whether that was a literal 40 days or whether it just means a long period of time, it doesn't matter. It was a long period of time. And uh, we're told today that most people can fast for about 40 days before their body starts to break down. But at the end of those 40 days, the... uh, the devil, Satan, the leader of the opposition, uh, tempted him. And uh, it may be that there were temptations that came right the way through. I would imagine they were. There were, but at the end we're told of three. And the thought came into Jesus' mind, just as temptations do. You know, he didn't have Satan standing in front of him. It was just a thought, just an emotion. Use your power to turn these stones into bread, because you're hungry. But the temptation was misuse the power that God has given you, use it selfishly. And there were several other temptations along similar lines to take the easy route instead of the route that God had called him to take and to compromise. And each time Jesus fought back using God's word, using the Bible as a weapon. We use the shield of faith to block the fiery darts of the evil one. And then we use the word of God. And each time Jesus said, it is written. And he fought back against uh, what Satan was trying to do. Three temptations, three victories, three nil to God. Temptation can come to us directly from Satan or his demonic forces, as in this story. But sometimes it's just from our own fallen desires. So have a look at James chapter 1 verse 13. It says, don't blame God when you're tempted. You know, don't blame God for putting you in a particular situation, whatever it may be. God cannot be tempted by evil and he doesn't use evil to tempt others. We're tempted by our own desires that drag us off and trap us. Our desires make us sin and when sin is finished with us, it leaves us dead. Sin is anything that we do that is contrary to God's will for us. And there are some things, you know, remember the Ten Commandments? Yes, somebody remembers them. Good. And then there are other things as well, aren't there? There may be something that is right for somebody else that's not the right thing for us. God may call one person to live in incredible riches, another person to live in incredible poverty. And we shouldn't judge each other. We should just take on board uh, God's calling for us. But if God calls you to live a particular way or do a particular thing, then that is the right thing for us to do and to not do it That is a form of sin. And it breaks down our relationship with us, uh, with God. And as it says here, it leaves us spiritually dead. That's the result of of sin. 
And the good news is that we don't have to fall to temptation. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 says, Jesus has suffered and was tempted. He can help anyone else who is tempted. So if you count yourself as an anyone else, then Jesus can help you when you're being tempted. So let's look at some of the practical things that God shows us about temptation which will help us to be able to stand our ground and not fall to temptation. So the second heading is, remember it could happen to you. One of Satan's tricks is to try and make us think that we are immune from particular temptations. Don't think it might never happen to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. We don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. We're not oblivious to his sly ways. I've heard of countless church leaders who have fallen into the sexual trap. Many of them thought that they were immune. They thought that for whatever reason, because they were a church leader or because of what you know, things they put in place, that maybe they weren't... Uh, vulnerable to sexual temptation but they were and they fell and the result was they lost their jobs they lost their ministry they lost their wives their children because they were blind to their vulnerability and didn't see the attack as it came against them gold girls and glory are three of the favorite tricks traps that satan loves to use or money sex and power three things that god gives to bless us money is good Uh, the bible teaches clearly that money is a good thing god gives it to us to bless us uh, to help relieve poverty to bring us pleasure to treat us to treat other people money is a good thing it can be used for good or bad things sex was designed by god as a blessing an incredible blessing within a heterosexual marriage but destructive outside of that if you want to talk more about that very happy to do so power again can be used for good or evil you know the quote uh, power tends to corrupt and absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely doesn't have to that's why we have accountability Mandy and I are accountable to uh, the leadership team the trustees our overseer our area leader uh, amongst others 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 you are tempted in the same way that everyone else is tempted You and I will face many temptations. We should be alert to where they uh, come from and how we might be caught out. But we can also take it as a comfort because other people around us are struggling with the same things. We don't have to face this stuff on our own or be isolated. When this was new to me, I remember struggling with temptation, thinking that I was the only one who was you know, this badly affected by the temptation and having given way so that it had become a stronghold in my life. And uh, after a few weeks, it came up in conversation and I found that my friends were all having exactly the same rough time that I was having. I wasn't on my own and we could help each other. And very often we find that when one person is going through a really rough time spiritually, maybe you're sensitive to the spiritual atmosphere and things that are going on, you find that actually there are lots of people who are going through the same thing. And uh, so we can support each other and pray for each other. In the second half of uh, verse 13 it says, God can be trusted not to let you be tempted too much. 
and he will show you how to escape from your temptations. God always gives us a way out. Sometimes it's hard to see it, but there is always a way out. Sometimes we dig ourselves such a deep pit that it's difficult to see where the light is, but there is always a way out. And these things are usually just simple decisions, but God promises that he will help us if we ask him. So remember, it could happen to you. Don't, uh, don't live in denial. Third heading, don't follow desire blindly. Romans chapter 6 verse 12 says, Don't let sin rule your body. After all, your body is bound to die, so don't obey its desires. Or let any part of it become a slave to evil. Give yourselves to God as people who have been raised from death to life. You have a choice. You can follow the death pathway or the life pathway. And you don't have to have a PhD from Oxford to know which is the better one. On the next slide, we've got a picture of a car dashboard. I don't know if you can recognise which make of car it is. Anybody who's... uh, It's actually a VW Golf, in case you wondered. But emotions can be like those warning lights on the car dashboard. They tell us what's going on and they give us warning signals. But you don't drive along looking at your dashboard, do you? You look out of the window. But then if a light comes up, it warns you that there's something wrong, something that needs to be paid attention to, whether it's as simple as a bulb that's gone or your braking is about to disappear. And uh, we need to pay attention to those things. But they're not meant to control us and control the way we drive. And God has put up signs along the road for us that give us direction. They tell us the dangers that we face. And sometimes a little light will start flashing in your emotions or in your mind. And it's there to warn you, you're playing with danger. Something's wrong here. You're vulnerable. You need someone to support you. Get some prayer, whatever it may be. We also have road signs to help us. Just uh, quite near us, there's a, uh, there's a bit of road where it goes, it goes down and swings right and left. And there are warning signs just before it saying 40 miles an hour, slow, right-hand bend. But regularly, we see cars in the hedge. At least once a month, there are, uh, there's a car in the hedge because they've ignored the warning signs. And God gives us warning signs to keep us safe. Not to be a killjoy, but to help us to be able to navigate the journey, way, journey well. If we give way to feelings and emotions, they can fuel unhealthy desires. The stronger those desires become, the, str- the harder it becomes to then turn away from them. Each time we make a wrong decision, we make it harder for ourselves. Every time we make a bad choice, we build a habit of saying yes to that and saying no to God. And we build up a habit of rejecting God and rejecting what he's saying, which is not the kind of thing that we want to do. There are some desires that we might surrender to which become stronger and stronger until we feel trapped by them. And it's really difficult to see the way out. It, It can even become an addiction. And uh, so sometimes, because we've given way to temptation in a particular area, it it can become a a spiritual stronghold in our lives. And and imagine it, it's like uh, every time you say no to God, every time you sin, you're putting a a breeze block down. 
and before you know it you're building quite a substantial wall that comes between you and God and uh, when there's a big wall there and it's been you know nicely cemented uh, you need a pretty heavy bit of kit to to knock that down and uh, that's what repentance does and being supported by each other and praying for each other if we hold unforgiveness against someone it builds into bitterness bitterness can lead to physical sickness such as arthritis or other chronic illnesses in my teens and early 20s I entertained sexual thoughts which became a stronghold and it felt emotionally like being sucked down a whirlpool I couldn't escape but Jesus set me free and it was a painful and humbling process but the freedom tasted very sweet 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ we take captive every thought so that's that's where the, the battle begins. It's in our mind. Do we allow our emotions to control us? We have that simple choice. It's a battle in our mind every day. So you can ask the Father to show you where you're being tempted. You may be aware of some things, but uh, often we live in denial, don't we? We're not even aware of the things that are affecting us and we need to learn to catch those thoughts early on to catch those emotions early on uh, so that it's easier to to squash them when they're small Uh, but rather than uh, waiting until a stronghold is built in our life and we're feeling trapped by it we need to learn to recognize what is the, the first step in that process You know, we've, we've had a lot in the press recently about sexual brokenness, haven't we? About men who've become sexual predators. That doesn't happen overnight. And it's not something you're born with. It is a series of choices that they have made, time and time again, that has built into an addiction in their lives. And it could do the same for us, or we can deal with it at an early stage and, uh, and get rid of it. In February we're going to be running Finding Freedom again and we'll look in more detail about their strongholds, where they come from and how to get rid of them. So that was Don't Follow Desire Blindly. The next heading is Starve Wrong Desires. So have a look at this diagram. It's it's very simple. It maybe is oversimplified in many ways but it gets, I hope, the basic idea across. Our will is in the middle. And this isn't meant to look like an Audi car. We're not continuing that theme, but uh, it's got one circle too few, hasn't it? But uh, our will is in the middle. And uh, that is where we make decisions. It's where we run our life from. And it's fed by two things. It's fed by our spirit and our soul. Our soul are the emotions and things like that. The spirit is what God uh, puts into us. The Spirit is the part that connects us with God and it's where we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The soul is the fallen and broken part. The Bible sometimes calls it the flesh um, or the sinful nature 
and it's where our feelings and desires live. So if we go on to the next slide, please. This is what happens if we feed our soul by following our desires. It, uh, it will grow, it will influence our will more and more, so you can see it's taking up more and more space, and we find ourselves then having less ability to be able to respond to God, to be able to respond to the Holy Spirit. And that intimacy that we once knew with God is going to get pushed out more and more. And we'll find it harder to hear his voice, harder to respond to him, and we'll wonder why is God so distant? So let's go on to the next slide. If we feed our spirit by filling it with God's word, talking to God, spending time with him, using the spiritual growth engines of fasting and worship and prayer and serving, being obedient to what God says, spending time receiving from the Holy Spirit every day, then our spirit starts to grow starts to become strong and healthy and it starts to take up more space in our will have more influence in our will and it pushes the soul out it pushes out those desires those temptations they just don't have the hold that they used to and they they starve so feed what you want starve what you don't want but our relationship with God can grow stronger and stronger. So that's a very oversimplified way of putting it, but I'm very simple, and I like simple things. But that's why the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. That's part of that that process of uh, saying no to one set of things, saying yes to the other. 1 Peter 2 verse 11, Dear friends, you are foreigners and strangers on this earth, so I beg you not to surrender to those desires that fight against you. Think for a moment about what you allow into your life. What are you welcoming? What are you feeding? What are you saying yes to? What kinds of morals and standards are promoted by what you watch on television or the films that you watch? What desires do they arouse? What are they feeding? You know, you may not be particularly aware of it at the time, but what are they feeding? You know, if you're constantly watching soaps on television, just to pick on those, because I need to pick on something, uh, EastEnders, the, uh, the writers said they have based their, uh, their plot on Sodom and Gomorrah. So, you know, it's probably not going to be the best thing for you. It's not going to build you up. So it's going to do more for your... Uh, for your soul than for your... Which way around have we got it? Yes, for your soul rather than your spirit. It's not going to build you up. It's not going to encourage you. It's not going to strengthen you. Because you get more of what you feed. And if you have garbage in, you get garbage out. Muhammad Ali was reported as saying that he had come up with a way to resist temptation. Wherever he went, he always carried a small box of matches. And he explained, whenever I go to a party and I'm tempted by a beautiful woman, I simply pull out one of the matches and strike it. Then I put it out with my fingers and remind myself, hell is a lot hotter than this. So you can try that if you like, but there are some other suggestions that I have that you might want to try first. So the next heading is to build accountability. On one occasion I was facing a barrage 
of temptation. No matter what I did, it seemed to be there. No matter what I thought about, trying to take my thoughts captive, I tried to think about something else, and it just came back. Nothing seemed to shift it. So I phoned a friend and told him what was happening. He prayed for me, lifted immediately. Barrage was sorted out. There are some things we can't deal with on our own. And that's why God puts us in a spiritual family together so that we can support each other and encourage each other. That's why connection groups are so important because it's that level of relationship that we need in a small group, not in a a larger group like this. As I said earlier, we can go to Jesus for help, but sometimes he gives us that help through other people. And uh, he does that for all sorts of reasons. One of them is that we have to humble ourselves. And God loves it when people are humble. He hates it when people are proud. God designed us to need to be in a body of people and to have accountable relationships. So because uh, my role is slightly different, I have uh, a friend that I phone every week. He lives on a, in a different continent. But uh, re- accountability works best on a peer-to-peer relationship rather than a an organisational relationship. So uh, rather than coming to me or to Mandy for accountability, you'd be much better to find somebody who you think is the same sort of level in terms of the structure of the church. I'm not saying that we're therefore much more spiritual than any of you or you know, polishing my halo or anything like that. But find somebody that you feel comfortable with. Somebody that you can be accountable to uh, and it's, it's not going to lead to you being disciplined at work or in the church or anything like that. James chapter 5 verse 16. Make this your common practice. Something that we do weekly. Confess your sins to each other. You don't have to go to the priest. Uh, you confess your sins to each other. We talk about pastoral share in this church rather than pastoral care. Because it's as we share it as we care for each other as we confess our sins to each other that this thing really becomes strong so confess your sins to each other pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed so if you want to be whole and healed you know the pathway confess your sins and pray for each other the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerfully to be reckoned with A guy called John Wimber founded the Vineyard Movement. He used to say the first banana that leaves the bunch is the one that gets skinned. And uh, it's very true. If you let yourself get isolated, you become much more vulnerable to Satan being able to pick you off. So build accountability. Uh, The next heading, accept God's word. Stephen Covey, the uh, author, Habits of Highly Effective People, Uh, says you can't break God's laws, you can only break yourself against them. Psalm 119 verse 10 puts it this way, I seek you with all my heart, do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Fill yourself with God's word. So how much of the Bible are you reading every day? How often do you come to it? And uh, we don't want to just be accountable over uh, what we're being tempted by and what we're struggling with. We want to be accountable about good things. You know, how much Bible are you reading? How many times this week have you spoken to a non-believer about Jesus? Uh, Are you being nice to your wife, your husband, your children, 
things like that. That's where uh, we share life together. Another translation of that verse puts it this way. I have banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't sin myself bankrupt. If you leave coffee in the packet, it's of no benefit, is it? Don't need to be a coffee judge like Rob to be able to tell us that. But if you put the coffee in the filter and let the water flow through it, and Rob will tell you how fine it needs to be ground and what temperature it needs to be and how long to get the maximum flavour, but you get the picture. You let the water flow through the coffee and you get the full flavour. If you leave God's word on the side, it's going to be of no benefit for you. You know, you can leave the Bible beside your bed. The truth from it's not going to jump into your head or into your heart as you sleep. You need to fill the coffee filter. You need to fill yourself with God's word so that God's truth and his life percolates right the way through every area of your life. God's word brings God's flavour into our lives. If you want to hear God speak, then get some coffee in the filter. If you want to smell like Jesus and be like Jesus, get coffee in the filter. If you want to be effective in your workplace, your study place, and see people responding to Jesus, then get some coffee in the filter. Build yourself up spiritually. Build your spirit by reading God's word. These are all simple choices, aren't they? Will our lives be full of good things or bad things? Will we follow God's directions or Satan's directions? Will we follow God's pure ways or our own broken desires? We know that Jesus died to set us free, not just to be free from the effects of our sin in terms of eternal judgment so that we are right with God and we can have a relationship with him so that when we die we go to be with God for eternity but we start relationship with God now but Jesus died so that every area of our lives where sin has impacted us we can have freedom and whenever we blow it we can ask God for forgiveness for forgiveness and he freely and quickly forgives and he will also break any strongholds in our lives that are building up simple choices but we don't have to leave it that late we can build accountability with a few close friends uh, you can meet with them you can phone them you can do it, work it out what, what works for you how often you're going to uh, check up on each other the friend I was telling you about, uh, I thought he was, well he is, incredibly busy. I thought he had lots of friends where he lived. And I thought, he's not going to want to have accountability with me. He's not going to want to you know, have this regular thing every week where we call each other. And uh, so I nearly didn't ask him. But then, uh, re- increasingly recently, he's... He said time and time again, I find this so valuable. I'm so glad that we set this up because this has brought uh, real life to me and uh, it's true for me as well. So we speak for about half an hour most weeks. So build accountability. Starve unhealthy desires by being disciplined about what you let in and then build up your spirit by feeding on the Bible, worship, prayer, fasting, time with God, time with others, 
who follow Jesus and uh, building a bit, bit of spiritual muscle also as we tell other people about Jesus too. But underlying all of this, you need to remember that in this battle, there is nothing that you can do that will make God love you more. And there is nothing that you can do to stop him loving you. It doesn't matter how much of a mess you've made. It doesn't matter how many strongholds there are there. It doesn't affect the way that God sees you. It doesn't affect his love for you. It doesn't affect the fact that he wants to forgive you and bless you and restore you. Because God's love is perfect, it's unlimited, it's unconditional, and it will never end. And so we can come back to him again and again. And we need to, don't we? We need to come back to him again and again. And ask for forgiveness, ask for cleansing, and allow the Holy Spirit to come and refresh us and cleanse us and restore us and rebuild us. So let's stand together. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're quicker to give than we are to receive. We thank you that you're quicker to forgive than we are to ask for it. Thank you that forgiveness is waiting there for every one of us. And for every single person that you've created, it's just waiting there as a gift to be received. So Jesus, we ask that you would forgive us once again for the things that we've allowed into our lives, for the thoughts we've entertained, for the emotions that we've entertained, for those desires that we've allowed to build, for the stupid things we've done. We're sorry for the times when we've been deliberately rebellious against you and for the times when we've done it by mistake. We just didn't realize what was going on. And uh, we ask that you forgive us and we ask that you would cause the, the blood of Jesus to come and wash us again. Again, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. So if you need that, just take a moment to receive the cleansing that Jesus brings. And in Jesus' name, I break the power of, and you can add in to the blank whatever it needs to be, I break the power of any strongholds that have built up, I break the power of any thought patterns that have come into play, I break their hold now in Jesus' name, I break the power of um, feeling sorry for ourselves, I break the power of uh, lust, I break the power of selfishness, I break the power of disbelief and other things. And in each one of those cases, wherever there is something demonic that is linked to that, I break its power in Jesus' name. I break its hold over you in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name I set you free. Because it's written that Jesus defeated the principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So we break their power now in Jesus' name. 
And Holy Spirit, we say yes to the life that you bring. We say yes to your purity. We say yes to holiness. We say yes to the freedom and the beauty and the loveliness, that beautiful flavour, that beautiful aroma that you bring when you place that in us. We say yes, Holy Spirit, to transforming our brokenness to be like you, to be full of light. So, Holy Spirit, we say yes. So as we pause for a moment before we close, just have a quick think. What do you need to do? What has God spoken to you today? And what do you need to do about it? Do you need to go and talk to someone? Do you need to build some accountability? Maybe you need to put some accountability software on your computer, on your phone, on your tablet. Maybe you need to uh, make that decision about reading the Bible. You need to decide what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it. You may decide that there are particular things that you've been spending time doing that you're not going to do anymore because they're not building the life of Jesus within you, but actually they're robbing you of life. Some of you maybe have become a bit isolated, a bit disconnected, And now would be a good time to reconnect with other people. So you can do that through a connection group. You can do that by just uh, calling someone, meeting for coffee. You decide what you need to do. Holy Spirit, we want to say yes to what you've spoken to us today. One of the things that you can do before you leave this morning is, is say to someone, what, God said this to me and therefore I am going to, and then they can help to keep you accountable. And next, next time you meet, you can ask each other, did you do that? That's what healthy accountability looks like. So may love, joy, peace, quiet mind and every blessing from Heavenly Father to his children be yours. May God bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May you be overwhelmed with just how much he loves you and how crazy he is about you. May you understand that and may it just turn you inside out this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you like prayer for any reason, grab somebody near you or you can come down to the front and we'll link you up with somebody. If you have a Connect card, you can fill that in and take it to the information area to get your free CD. Uh, We're meeting in communities next Sunday. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.